0: Hello, and welcome to Anything But Traditional. I'm your host, Tamar Ben-Svi, and I'm so happy that you are here today to listen in to this episode. This episode is uh, unique because it's with Arky Seaman, who is someone that we've all come to know and love. But I feel like on a lot of podcasts, Arky shares a story of who he is and what he does, but we don't really get to know who Archie very right? like we hear about his service in the army and all of his awesome weekly missions that he gives us and you know he inspires us as Klaythal as the Jewish nation but we don't really know who he is I mean until now I thought that he grew up in Cleveland um in the beginning of this episode I found that that he grew up in Baltimore so it was definitely a really interesting podcast We speak a lot about Israel um, and his relationship to Israel and how that developed. And we also have a very special um, surprise guest. So stay tuned to see who that surprise guest is. It's definitely one that you don't want to miss. And um, yeah, get excited for this episode. Um, Thank you so much, Arky, for coming on. Welcome to anything but traditional. I'm here right now with Arky Stamen, uh, the famous Arky, and I feel like maybe the only Arky. (laughs) I don't really hear that name so often. (laughs) Um, but one of the reasons why I wanted to have Arky on today was not because of his celebrity status over the past four months, but really because, yes, everyone knows that Arky is a chayal. But, you know, Arky has a whole story. And I think one of the things that's very interesting to me about Arky was that he was very, like, he listened to Koa, but he's from America. And it's like, people know who he is because of his Instagram and because he's been sharing all of that. But who is Arky's statement? What? Where did he come from? What What did he do with his life? How did he end up here? Like, just who is Arky? So I'm going to get into this now with Arky And uh, Arky. do you want to open up the podcast with who the heck are you? Who
1: the heck <laughs> is Arky? I, I feel like I'm asking myself this, you know? just does, does everybody even have an answer to that question? <laughs> I guess I'm going to do the best I can. Um, the man behind the uniform, I guess you could call it, right?
0: I sometimes actually feel that like these podcasts, because of its nature, I almost feel like it's like, a therapy session sometimes and like people have to like unpack it afterwards so i was just recording with somebody and they're like wow like i have a lot of thoughts now that are coming up because of this podcast yeah because we go into you know your life and who you are and it's not you know i know that you've been on meaningful people inspiration for the nation i don't know you've been on a lot of different podcasts
1: i don't even remember anymore <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah but this is the most important, right?
1: What is important? <laughs>
0: Um no and, and you know you share your story incredibly but uh yeah it's very important to me to uh get to know who you are and as you said get to know the man behind the uniform Amazing So arky where did you grow up and what was your family like
1: Okay so I am born and raised in Baltimore Maryland Wait so- you're from Baltimore Baltimore. Wait,
0: why did I think that you were from the Midwest?
1: And you know what? I'll take that as a compliment. Because some <laughs> people are like, Are you from New York? And no offense against New Yorkers. I don't give off New York vibes, you know? So No, I thought
0: that you were from like um like Cleveland. I don't know. I thought you, like also because I guess maybe because you like live in Tacoa, and I'm like, oh, maybe that's how we ended up in Tacoa, you know, like the, the Cleveland uh misery spirit. I, so, you know what?
1: I'll take it. I did go to Camp Stone, and that's like as Cleveland as it gets. Nice. My mom is from the West Coast. She's from Seattle, so I have the West Coast vibes. And uh, my dad's from upstate New York. So definitely small town type personality, not I stayed. It's
0: so funny because my husband, he is from uh, Rockville, Maryland. Okay. So not Baltimore. Um, I made that mistake until we were past engagement, um, I'm like, yeah, he's from Baltimore. He's like, I'm not I
1: don't from know Baltimore,
0: from Baltimore yeah. But- <laughs>
1: and if you were to tell me like, Rockville or Silver Spring, I'd be like, sounds cool. They might, they're exactly. from the same state, awesome. You know? Wait,
0: did you go to your Bomb.
1: I, I went to, I mean, we, we haven't gotten into it, but I went through um, TA, if you know what TA is. More um, yeshiva school. I was there till fifth grade. And
0: that's all boys or with the
1: boys all boys i had to pay and a nice big wow. black chupa. and if i had stayed there another two years you would be seeing a guy with a black hat and everything
0: wait so with your family yeshivish growing up
1: growing up we grew up yeshivish. yeah
0: wow i did yeah. not realize you mm-hmm. see that's like the first like mind-blowing thing about you Story
1: behind the man you know the story behind the
0: oh no one with no one like a guy from Tekoa grew shivish. Okay.
1: Look at that. And a lot <laughs> of my friends don't even know that. But
0: wow. it's a part
1: of who I am. It's definitely still a part of who I am. And uh, I, I call myself a Chassid trapped in a Misnagda body. Like, nice. I still have that part of me in me, you know?
0: Interesting. It's, Wait, so, okay. So talk to me more, more about that. So you, okay. how many siblings did you have? What was your family like? Yeah, let's okay, delve awesome. into this.
1: So, so, yeshivish Baltimore, I'm in TA. I have one brother who's three and a half years older than me. Um, he was also in TA. We grew up yeshivish. I was never super going in the line with everybody else, always did my own thing. And by fourth, fifth grade, it was pretty clear, both from an academic reason of like, I have way too much ADHD to learn Kumara all morning. And like, this is not happening, and I was definitely behind in my school and I was just a ball of energy and the nineteen nineties yeshivish Baltimore wasn't fully i mean nobody really knew about a d d and a d h d and medicine it was just like so new right. um but it was what was clear is that it wasn't working oh, wow. um my brother had already kind of paved his own path into sort of modern orthodoxy, into being Zionistic and loving Israel. And it's funny, in, in TA, it's, it's very yeshivish. So the, the rabbis are considered, at least the, the principal I once heard said, that all the rabbis are closet Zionists. Like, they're all pro-Israel, they all love her, so they just can't be too open about it, you know what I mean? Great,
0: right, no, for sure, for sure.
1: So we were paving our own path. my brother was paving his own path, I was going to pave my own path, and, you know, I have to, and I will continue. You have
0: an older brother, and you have more siblings, or it's just the two of you? Just me and my bro. Oh, wow, it's just the two of you.
1: Wow. Okay, so he yep. was.
0: Beca- how was he becoming more modern? Like what?
1: He followed his friends to camp. He went to Camp Stone and that kind of. He went on his own journey of just you know, experiencing what worked for him. And so your parents grew up yeshivish, or they grew up chuva My mom's mal-tubah. Um, My dad grew up like 1970s, singing modern yeshivish. You know, he went to Or Sameach. Nobody here is extreme. And and I think we're gonna get to know my parents the more that I talk. I have to give them so much credit, and I will continue giving them credit, is that throughout this entire process of us becoming less and less like them, they were just fully supportive of what was best for us and what we needed at the time and the changes that we were going through. And my dad has been open with me and talked about how, you know, in the beginning obviously everything was hard because you know, you have visions of where a kid is going to be. And like he said to me, every kid has their own destination. And you think that your job as a parent is to guide them to a certain end point. Right. And is like, they'll do whatever they want, but they'll eventually get to that point. And my dad's like, I learned that's not true. Like every kid has a different point, a different end point. You don't know where that end point is. And you're just trying to guide them in the best way that they can to get to their point, not to get to where you think they should be. For sure. For
0: sure. Can you translate Hanoch Al-Pidarko for those that may not know?
1: Yeah. So Hanoch Al-Pidarko is in the Mishnah. It talks about how every single child has to be educated in their special, unique way. And there isn't a one-size-fit-all in, in raising children and raising proud Jewish children.
0: Great. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So how old was your brother when he left TA? Ooh, that's a good
2: question. Well,
1: I think eighth grade, maybe, seventh or eighth grade, I think. And I also just wasn't going well for him um, for, for our own reasons. And by sixth grade, I was already taken out of TA and put into Valley Academy, which is a non-Jewish school in Towson, Maryland, yeah, Oh. Yeah, I know, right? Crazy.
0: Boy, hold on. You went from, like, this, like, super yeshivish school. They're, like, they didn't want to put you in, like, best tefila?
1: Like Okay, amazing. So it was very clear that I needed a lot of help. And yeah. they were looking for the places that would literally give the best help that they could. And Valley Academy is a school where the teachers are one on three. They're all trained in special education. I had ADHD and dysgraphia and... I wasn't organized and I'm still not organized to this day, that's the truth.
0: What a dysgraphia?
1: Dysgraphia is like dyslexia, so you're getting your words mixed up, but with writing, not with reading.
0: Okay, cool.
1: So like if I'm writing with a pen, most of it is just scribbles and like to this day terrible handwriting. So so I switched to this to this very special school. I was Like you said, yeshivish kid in a non-Jewish school for 6th and 7th grade, which let's be honest, 6th and 7th grade is a quite complicated time to begin with, right? Well,
0: I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you don't know this about me, but my whole life changed between 6th and 7th grade. So, like, I can really relate to you because I went from Schechter to Kushner um oh, wow. and my mom got remarried and we moved to, from cherry hill to west orange and wow. i got three new siblings that lived in my house and you know uh. yeah so yeah i i can i can relate i went to
1: a <laughs> new school that's where it ends <laughs> you know? i can relate
0: to the sixth to seventh grade uh transition <laughs>
1: exactly (laughs) it sounds like on a whole nother level too yeah
2: Um, Yeah.
1: yeah, so you know just discovering the world of uh, puberty and going to a school with girls and going to a school with sports teams and just getting into becoming
0: were you on a sports team
1: yeah I did every sport possible I played lacrosse which I didn't even know how to play beforehand I was playing soccer basketball anything that I could that's the truth. so yeah, so this this school was really special and it got me back on track. It's not a school that you're supposed to like stay in for a long time. It's supposed to get you back into a normal sort of normal type of school. And so
0: And your brother went there too, or no? No, no,
1: no. I'm I'm the one with the learning disabilities. He's an <laughs> academic, he's got multiple degrees. He's the normal one in the family.
0: <laughs> I love that. That's also yeah. I really relate to that. My my sister has a master's in biology, and I'm like. Yeah, they're like not happening. When are you going to be successful, tomorrow? <laughs> I'm like I am successful, I promise. <laughs>
1: isn't not it, it interesting in our 30s when the definition of success begins to change from what you have on your resume to are you are you accomplished? Are you doing what you love, you know? Are you- well,
0: my sister always says that like when you get older, right? When you get into your 30s that you become like you know, when you're younger, you, you have to, like, fit into the box, right? And, like, that is very much, like, what's cool is that if you fit into what's in the box and all of that. But when you get older, it's, like, how far from the box can you be? That's, right. What, <laughs> right. you know, like, that. that's cool to be your own person and be who you are. And the, I feel like you define that.
1: Yeah, definitely sixth and seventh grade. My dad always said thinking outside the brain. That's what he called it. <laughs> nice. We nice. get outside the braids. so yeah. So I was always, always definitely doing my own thing. Eighth grade was a real question. Like I'm back to academically back to normal, ready to get back into a Jewish school. Obviously, my Yiddish kite was suffering at that time. Um, but you know what changed a lot is actually my bar mitzvah. I decided because I didn't have any Jewish friends, anyways, I would do it in Israel, nice. and that was the beginning of the journey. Of falling in love with Israel, and and you know it's classic to do a bar mitzvah at the hotel. But for me, it was really special. A, I had never been, and B, I didn't do a bar mitzvah. It wasn't like a bar mitzvah trip in Israel after my bar mitzvah. It was my bar mitzvah. There was nothing in America, wow. and most of the people I didn't even know was cousins, and we spent two weeks traveling Israel with awesome tour guides. Nice. Jumping into Nashville Springs, which now that I think about it, it was January. That's kind (laughs) of crazy. Doing the whole Ein and seeing the ancient ruins. And I remember Kisari on taking pictures of everything. And that just showed me like a whole nother side of things. This will give you a new appreciation of my parents. My parents tricked me. They told my history teacher in this non-Jewish school, total lie. Okay. They told my history teacher to tell me that I was failing history and then in order to pass the class, I needed to do extra credit. So I had to read a book about Jewish history in Israel and do a book report about it, it as this Called the Sand and Stars. I don't know if you've heard wow. of
0: it. Wow. No, I have not heard of it.
1: But what were they doing? They were getting me excited about my trip without even realizing it, wow. right? So I'm learning about the Mamluks and the Ottomans and the Roman period and the Byzantines. I'm like, I didn't even know that they were doing this to trick me. By the time I get to Israel, the tour guide is blabbing on about this period and that period. I'm like, I don't know about that.
0: Nice. And
1: and to this day, when when families talk to me, like they talk to me so much about preparation for their Israel trip, but like let's talk about the educational preparation. Like if your kid comes in knowing the stories of David HaMeles and of the Romans and of the Second Beit Hamikdash, it's gonna totally change your family's trip because your kids are not gonna be like, "What is he talking
0: about?" For sure. Wait, like you went to stone only after your bar mitzvah?
1: When did I start stone? into going eighth into going eighth okay going so that was
0: after your bar mitzvah
1: so it was after my bar mitzvah yeah.
0: okay fine cool
1: so i'd gone to israel but i still didn't have like it was my, my one rule of the trip was no dead people i didn't want to see any graves no we went to tveria and my dad went into keva rambam and i stayed outside wow. i was like this is not happening
0: interesting but you were also like you weren't really religious like you were struggling religiously and you were like Playing (laughs) lacrosse. You were like, I'm not going to, I'm not really going to go to like Varm. That wasn't really up your alley.
1: But I found in Israel a religion, a type of Judaism that spoke to me that didn't have to necessarily do with waking up on Sunday morning and going to Dominion, but it had more to do with the nation of Israel. Right. And like that just lit a spark in me that is still burning today. And when tourists come to Israel, I'm not looking to teach them a history lesson. I'm looking to ignite that spark. For sure. And that's really my job. Like sure. get your kids to fall in love with this place. The end.
0: Well, it's interesting. Like me and my two siblings, Milalia, my mom, Milalia, we all live in Israel now. Um, mm-hmm. And we always say that I think part of it actually stems from, I mean, the conservative movement has unfortunately changed drastically. Mm-hmm. But when we were growing up, like, the conservative movement was very much about that, like, very much about that spark of Israel and that spark of, like, being a national, you know, Jew. Um, And I think that that's something that we all really relate to today that, like, you know, we, like, for me, you know, I can't, I'm actually going to America for the first time in five and a half years. I have not left Israel in five and a half years. And I'm going for my first time. And I'm like oh, my God, I don't want to go. But it's my nephew in America's bar mitzvah from like my stepsister's kid. Um, mm-hmm. And then I have to go, and I'm like, I don't want to go. I literally yeah. told Shawnee Tarragon, I'm taking a course with Shawnee Tarragon, I'm like, how do you deal with going to America? It's the worst thing ever. <laughs> but I really don't like to leave Israel. It really, like, eats me up. And people are shocked that I'm, like, going to America for Pesach because they're like, how are you going to America? Like, you never leave Israel. Um, And yeah, I think that as, like, when you really understand what it means to be a nationalistic Israeli Jew, it just, it's different. Um, Then, like, you know, obviously now I'm a religious Zionist, but I'm also, I feel like the, me and Dati are, like, equal playing fields, and it's not, like...
1: It's also Israel, you don't have to choose one or the other. Right. In America, the more religious you are, the less you're expected to be a nationalistic Jew. Yeah. And those idealism has to go aside in order to be a community Jew, yeah. which is, you know, what is needed yeah. in America.
0: Right. Are your parents and your brother still in the States or do you live here?
1: So my whole family's here. My whole immediate family is here.
0: Wow, wait, so where's your brother and your parents?
1: brother lives in Mali Ademim, and my parents are in Ramape Chemish.
0: Your parents are in Ramape Chemish? Crazy, right? No, way! Wait. Yeah. wait. Yeah. No way. Come hang out with me. Absolutely. Um, Is that where you live? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I live in the Ramah. So back to your story, though. Yes. Okay. So you went on your
2: trip.
1: Yeah. So I finished my trip, fell in love with a different type of uh, Judaism that I had never gotten exposed to. Um part of the reason I love Torah is that I'm exposing kids to those same feelings for the first time that they're not getting in school. Let's be honest. Even in the Zionistic schools, they're not getting. Anyways, eighth grade comes along and it's like, where do I go? I'm not going back to TA. That didn't work for me. I'm also not yeshivish anymore. I went to Rambam for a day to check it out. It was the most natural place for me to go. It wasn't for me. They, I still needed like academic help and I still needed... Some sort of you know support system, and I went to Beth Tafilla, to BT for a visiting day, and had the most amazing experience. And so in eighth, I went to, to BT until that's where I graduated high
0: school. Oh, so you went to, went to Beth
1: Tafilla in the end, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: so I've been I've been around. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Our journey took us back to Bethephila, exactly. and how was it in Bethephila?
1: So Bethephila, the way I explain Villa is. There's very few people that you ask them, did you like high school? And they say, yeah, of course, I loved high school. Like, nobody loves high school. Many people I know, including myself, who talk about Bettafila say, yeah, we loved high school. Like, we loved school. Uh, And I love Bettafila. Bettafila gave me an opportunity to find who I was and let me run with it. I'll give you, like, one story that's a perfect example. So I started not only getting into, like, the whole Israel thing, but starting to love Karl Bach and singing and dancing. And that really came from camp. Um, You know, Friday night, awesome, singing, dancing, sweating, and jumping up and down. And that worked with my ADHD Judaism, which didn't have a place in a more straight typical yeshiva setting right I'm sure. jumping up and down friday night and that's part of my mm. judaism this is awesome you know
0: yeah 100 so
1: i really wanted to start a friday morning Karl bach minion where we would do Shacharit carl bach once a month friday morning and like as a 10th grader 11th grader like you know there's you have to start class at some point that the post said not only can we offer you like a place to do this they gave me a teacher that played guitar and they said anybody who goes to Archie's Karl minion can be late for first period. And it's like, what school is willing to say you can be late for class because we want to push another kid's in in Hebrew we say Yozma, another kid's initiative, um, which is kind of ludicrous, Friday morning Karl minion. but like what? they just realized like they gave the kids leadership and they gave them the ability to to start things and be a part and run things and and that was like the greatest message, you know?
0: That's incredible. Wait, so then how much of your grade went to Israel for the year?
1: Very few. Five percent? So five or six,
0: how did you end up going? Okay,
1: so so we're 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 going quickly here. I know. There's a lot to talk about. Like you're (laughs) right, it's like therapy. I have to go through every single thing. (laughs) Um, So ninth grade 10th grade, I don't even remember I started a car cleaning business So that I could make enough money to send myself To Israel for Machach, for B'nai Akiva Because by then, I'm already in the campstone World, I'm loving the B'nai Akiva World, I'm getting turned on To Israel and to Hebrew And I mean, camp was just I I always say, and I loved my school But camp, I learned more in one month Of camp than I did in 11 months of school So I'm I'm making this money in order to send myself to Machach. Um, Thank God I was able to make about $5,000, which is a lot of money for a 10th grader at the time. And I I made my way over to Machach. And like most kids, love the Israel experience. And that's just like reignited my fire. Not only that, I met a girl there. We never dated. We were good friends, but eventually she would become my wife. So that worked out nicely. She's actually from Teaneck, Abigail Kranzler. So met my wife there, continued like igniting this passion for Israel and kind of came back. Like every time I came back from the summers, I came back like wearing tie-dye seat out and everything like it. everyone's was like, Arky, what are you? You know what I mean? Like, what is this kid? Um, and that's what I was doing. I was finding my own path. That's really what I was doing. And I was being allowed to do it, which was so unique. And even though I was one of, five out of a hundred kids that were religious because I was able to be religious in the way I wanted to be it was a source of pride for me I'm like I loved being one of five that was awesome you know
0: yeah for sure no for sure it's interesting me like did you ever have a stage of being like a nanach guy
1: um so it's funny that you ask I I went to my yearbook and it said, you know, the classic, like, where is he going to be in 10 years? So I wrote, I'm going to be a Breslover on a hilltop somewhere in Judea and Samaria. So,
0: well, they got the Judea Samaria, right?
1: And I go to Breslov every Friday night and jump my face off. So they're not wrong. Well, I told you, I'm a chassid on the inside, trapped in a misnagged body. So I wow. want to be jumping up and down. And so I, I take a little bit of everything from Judaism. I am not a Nana in any way, but I love many aspects of Wrestle of Judaism as well as all different types of Chassidut and everything. So,
0: of awesome. Okay, so you went on Machach and...
1: Loved it. We actually went to Prague. It was Machach Prague when they were connecting like oh, the Holocaust and you were going straight from like to Raisenstadt, which is a concentration camp in outside of Prague and you went straight from there to the Kotel and it was just like... The emotional journey that so many kids in the modern Orthodox world go through, but I was kind of still new to this whole like experience, and I was really loving it.
0: great. did you have um any grandparents that were in the Holocaust? Yes,
1: yes, and not only that, my grandfather was from Prague and was in Theresienstadt. I was wow. yeah, yeah I like I was really into it at the time. I put rocks in my shoes or I walked barefoot because my grandfather. His feet were too big. The Nazis didn't give him any shoes. So he walked around for five years without shoes. So I wanted to be like in the path of my grandfather. I walked around Therese, and I think I put rocks in my shoes. I don't think I walked barefoot. I don't think they let me walk wow. barefoot. That was like a fight that I had with my counselors or something. Um, but yeah, I walked barefoot or or with rocks in my shoes through Theresa in the footsteps of my Zadie who was there.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. That's I mean, I grew up not having any grandparents from the Holocaust. Right. Actually, like my mom, my stepdad, my dad, and my stepdad's first wife—no one had. Where are they from? Like a parent in the Holocaust. Most of them are from America. Like I'm saying, right. so it's very crazy to me. Um, it's interesting that I have such a strong desire about Israel because I feel like a lot of it is like—I I mean, I've been saying this since I'm sixth grade. The Holocaust is happening in America. Get out of America. Get out of America. I've been saying this since sixth sixth grade, and I have no idea. Like, it wasn't like I had connection to the Holocaust, but for some reason, I've been very strong about like. Basically, over the years, I've gotten more and more people to be like, "Oh, you're right, Tamar," and I'm like, (laughs) "Told you so." I'm like, "No shit, Sherlock." You know, (laughs) like I'm like, I knew that I I knew what was happening. I, you know, I saw the writing on the wall way before anyone did, but.
1: um, We always love to ask, you know, how did the Jews of Germany not see it coming?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. So which Maha did he do? Wilderness?
1: It was Hezder, Prague. So it was.
0: Well, you did Hezder. I did
1: Hezder, right. So I was also like getting into the whole Judaism thing, too. Like it was also I wanted to be with like quality people and i had friends going whatever was just it was just like the the right choice for me
0: and also your wife ended up going and yeah i didn't her, know so. she was
1: gonna be my wife at the time but i, I don't think that was the reason i watched maybe she'd like to think that
0: <laughs> but you st- you started dating amaha no nope.
1: no nope. we were friends for a long time we didn't start dating till the middle of the army way later oh wow Wait later. okay fine So anyway, so do ma'achach, And again, like every year, my love for Israel is getting stronger. I went to TVI, which at the time was also in Israel. Um, And eventually it was time to graduate. And this question, what are you going to do next? I remember sitting with my college guidance counselor. And we're going to my reach school and my fallback school and my target school and all these schools. And at the end, I'm like, oh, and by the way, I want to go to Israel and join the army. I already wanted to join the army. I had already like I was set. Like, it's
0: also like a personality thing. Like one of my best friends, she always says, you know, the students that are bad at school are always the people that are going to be doing well in life. You know, so it makes sense to me that you went to the army because I like yeah. that you wanted to go to the army and that you knew that you wanted to go to the army because that's your personality.
1: Yes. Now, looking back to give you the opposite side of the coin, the army is a place where you have to fit in and you have to yeah. do what they tell you and you can't be an individual thinker. Or too creative. So there was a side of me that really needed the army because I wasn't going to be sitting in, you know, university and classes all day. Um, But on the other hand, I wasn't. Let's not pretend I was, you know, the ideal soldier. I had my, you know, my every single time the the commander saw me, Arky, tuck in your shirt. I just couldn't do it. So yes, yes, there's two sides of it.
0: For sure.
1: So, anyways, I'm sitting with this college guidance counselor, and the guidance counselor is like, "There's no reason to apply to college. You're, you're gonna have to defer for three years, anyways." I'm like, "Okay, cool." And then my entire senior year was basically vacation because wasn't applying to colleges. And um, were your
0: parents okay with that?
1: Yeah, yeah, they really they really were. Um, my parents, for sure, are not very pushy when it comes to academics. Um, if you want to go get a college degree, go do it. If you want to pursue something else, if I wanted to learn full-time, they'd be okay with it. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, so, then, so then I started looking for different yeshivas. My brother had already gone to Torah and loved it. It seemed like the right fit. Um, and so I spent the year in yeshiva Torah in Ramat Beit Shemesh when Rehov Nachal Engedi was just a big, muddy, Pile of nothingness, and you had to walk from the yeshiva, which was at the bottom, through the mud to get to the Merkaz. <laughs>
0: wow!
1: If you know, wow!
0: It. But you loved Leva Torah. Like, how was your year at Leva?
1: Loved it. It gave me what I was looking for, which was the passion for Torah and more passion for Judaism and the experiences of the neshama. But in the end of the day, I still wanted to be Israeli, and I wanted to do the yeah. army, and I wanted to speak only Hebrew. And I wasn't going to get you weren't that. weren't
0: going to get that out, Leiv? No. It's so full
1: interesting. Full American bubble.
0: I, great. No, I hear that. I feel like over time, Leva's has become a bit more like, I feel like nowadays maybe you would have uh, not been so out of the box there.
1: No, I wasn't super out of the box there. It was fine. But after the year there, I was like, okay, it's time to go full on Israeli. Oh, wow. And so I switched from Leva Torah to yeshiva past Tevron called yeshiva Otmiel. With 400 Israelis and about five Americans. And I didn't even speak to the Americans in English because I wanted to be that guy, you know. And I just jumped full full force, dove right into the deep end. It was the best way possible. I learned Hebrew in about six months, just sitting in a caravan, schmoozing with guys. I had no idea what they were talking about. And so uh, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then I drafted um, Hezder, I drafted with the yeshiva, into the paratrooper unit. Okay. The advantage is by the time you're in the army, I was already comfortable speaking Hebrew. I got the Israeli culture. I had already been in one terror attack. So, you know, I was full-blown Israeli.
0: Wait, you went through a terror attack?
1: So I was on a hike on a Friday morning, and I had no idea what I was going on. I was just joining this group. A friend of mine from the yeshiva was like, come join the group. And we were late. And I didn't know this at the time, but we were climbing under the yellow gate. You know those yellow gates of the yeshuvim? So climbing under the yellow gate to get out of Kfar Etzion in Gush Etzion. And we start walking towards the Arab village right next to us. And I'm like walking in the Arab village. I'm like, I guess we're supposed to be here. I don't know. We start asking people, where's the group? Because we're looking for the main group. Lo and behold, they weren't so happy that we were there. The rocks start flying. They started chasing us for about 50 minutes. About 200 Palestinians were chasing us. Rocks. But I was running down the mountain. If you know that area, it's very hills and valleys. So we tried to escape by basically running down the mountain, but they're so steep that we were basically rolling down the mountain. And instead of the rocks coming at us at... Face level, they were raining down on us and we're talking 200 Palestinians, their moms all going, cheering them on. They were there to kill us. We um, had about two soldiers who happened to also be late for this hike joined me and my friend. They had guns with them, shot at their feet. Um, They still continued running after us because they know that the IDF soldiers are not going to shoot at them for throwing rocks, which is crazy. And after about 50 minutes of running away from them, and there was points where they were 20 feet away from us, um, we got to the town of bat Ayan, which they know not to get close to the town of bat because they have their own name in bat They call them the Majnunim, the crazies over there in bat And they know not to get close. And um, thank God we made it out. This was like a few weeks after I'd made Aliyah. My parents had just come. Yeah. My parents hadn't come yet. We had... Three generations make Aliyah in the span of like less than a year. So wow. everybody was fresh. It was, yeah, it was intense.
0: But the statements from Teaneck, right? Yes. Like Leora, Atani, yes. um, Atar, those parents still live in America.
1: Okay. So their father and my father are brothers. Yeah. Right? Cal and my dad are brothers. So I made Aliyah, my brother made Aliyah, my parents made Aliyah. And my grandparents, so their grandparents also same side made Aliyah all within a year of each other. Ever since then, as of a few months ago, their parents also made Aliyah. Actually,
0: oh wow, I did not know that.
1: Wow, wow, and yeah.
0: So there's not that many steamers in America.
1: There's still plenty of steamers in America. I would say we're probably about half half by now.
0: You got to get the rest of them.
1: We're working on (laughs) it. I want to get into it because I feel like you'll love this story. Yeah. We say that Aliyah is in our blood. My great, great grandparents, not from the Holocaust side, but were also American, like you. Very American family. Um, they said goodbye to their kids and goodbye to their grandkids in their old age and made Aliyah from Williamsport, Pennsylvania to Palestine, okay? Got on a boat in the 1920s, said goodbye to their kids that would never see them again, and Sionaro were moving to Israel, which is crazy. Okay, my grandfather still remembers saying goodbye to his grandparents, not wondering why are they leaving me. Like, what's what's going on here? This grandfather wrote stories, and one of the stories he wrote was about a person who, who wanted to make Aliyah, but it was just too late for him. And he needed his New York Times, and he needed a first class ticket. It was a fictional story, but not so fictional. One of the people on my grandfather's writing list on his email distribution list is Rabbi Fass, Rabbi Yeshua Fass, who is the head of Nefesh B'Nefesh. Anyways, he sends him back an email saying, I can get you that first class ticket. I can get you the New York Times. And my grandfather's like, oh, thank you. No, thank you. Um, He was 88 years old. He goes to the doctor. He said, doctor, what, what would happen if I wanted to move across the world. Could I do that at my age? The doctor said, if you want to do it, got to do it now. Within six weeks, they were on a plane. We had three generations make Aliyah. Now, this is the same grandfather that remembers saying goodbye to his grandfather. So, Aliyah and Israel is in our DNA. It's in our blood. Tari is here. Leora is here. I know Tani wants to come here. Shout out to Tani. And Shifi's here. The whole family... Is um, is here, and their parents made aliyah. So, wow. stamens and aliyah, it's one and the same.
0: Wow, that's incredible! So, and they also went to Stone, right?
1: They're Mosheva people, I think.
0: Okay, Mosheva. I I like never, just so that you understand. I went from camper ma to camp seg, which is an all girls learning program to wow. michtelat. Like,
1: <laughs> we had the opposite life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <We> started, like. <laughs>
0: It was crazy. Yeah, it was so crazy. And I wanted to be like Haredi, all of high school.
1: Living a traditional life, right? Anything but traditional. There you
0: go. That's exactly it. No, I mean, basically in 2020, I created my Instagram page. And part of creating my Instagram page was that I always felt very alone in the Orthodox Jewish world. Because Mm -hmm. I have this issue with the Orthodox Jewish world that a lot of people are very closed. A lot of people are not as open. Um, Mm -hmm. About emotions or what they're going through and stuff like that and I always felt very frustrated by it Um, and I felt like actually in the conservative world or the conservative world that I grew up in more people were a bit more open and stuff like that and so it really like always was my brand of like let's talk about real issues, real people real things that we went through Um, and yeah I mean I've gone through way too much to like be a closed person. Of course. But back to your theory.
1: So I joined the army. I was in the paratroopers. And you get a week off between um, basic training and advanced training. So I had that week off. And I, a friend of mine from back way back from camp that we hadn't talked to in years reached out to me like, hey, I'm coming to Israel for an internship. We haven't seen each other in forever. Really, really uh, gutsy approach over there. And um, she said, let's meet up. I didn't really like talk to girls back then not because I was too from but probably because I was too awkward and my parents were like so this is a date I'm like nah this isn't a date yeah they knew it was a date and we hung out in the aroma of Beit Shemesh my kumta my uh, beret fell in the toilet that was the story (laughs) in and of itself I like come out of the bathroom like holding this beret like this she's like what happened I'm like don't worry about it. <laughs> so.
0: Oh, my gosh. And she still married you.
1: I think that was the reason,
0: actually.
1: You <laughs> want to talk about non-traditional. We have a very non-traditional marriage. Let's put it that yeah.
0: way. Yeah. Tell me more.
1: Um, Wow. There's so much there. Um, Our first date was playing soccer at the Tayelet afterwards. We just went with who we were and didn't matter. Social norms didn't matter. Classic dating. Most of our dates were spent at my parents house because I had the Shabbat off from the army like it was just not a very typical experience let's put it that way <laughs>
0: yeah we met at the Takana market nice. <laughs> like me and Gideon met at the Takana market and we got engaged in the YU parking lot
1: oh my gosh <laughs> yeah if you want to yeah, talk yeah.
0: about not traditional, not traditional so, there it is. So. <laughs> yeah 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 it was crazy. it was crazy wait so how did you guys get engaged
1: we got engaged. I proposed, we always had a joke that we would either get married underwater or in space. So we actually went scuba diving in a lot. And we're scuba diving a lot. And there's this sign that I made for it that said, I'm sorry we couldn't get married underwater, but this is just going to have to do. Will you marry me? For yes, point here. For no, please try again. What? I still have the poster that we made. And it was like the perfect combo of like, Original, off the beaten path, not like super cheesy, not super, you know, typical. And it was great. We-
0: so is she as crazy as you? Like, does she have as much personality? I
1: don't know. Should we bring her on? Ask her the question? Yeah. Oh, she, she might? All right, she's so here. <laughs> she's here. She's coming. I'm so
0: pumped. There you
1: go. You get a two for one over here. Not just the celebrity. But the real celebrity over here, you have to realize for every soldier there is a much more important soldier in the backfield, (laughs) for the married ones at least, who are fighting the real battles.
2: What's your name? I'm of the aisle. Um, I think I am calmer and that I don't have ADHD. (laughs) And I'm an organized, put-together kind of person. But I think my insides are Definitely
0: crazy. So what is it like living with Arky?
1: (laughs) How many hours do you have?
2: It's definitely really fun. Our house is very fun. It was something that I noticed when he went to the army and it was a lot of time with him not being home is that the house ran better.
1: Um. Much more clean. The house the was house much more was clean.
2: More ran better, but it was not as happy and not as fun. Great. Right? Yes. Oh. You guys have you <laughs> guys have four kids, three
0: kids, three,
2: and they're named
0: interesting names, right?
1: How do you know? Yeah, we got our oldest is Zimra, so we've kind of already talked about the Carl boss the singing, the those kind of vibes. And Aviga also has that from her side. She grew up also in a very singy family. Um, I don't know if you know the the band Vacus, Ellie Kranzler. Does that mean anything to you? Okay. It's the, you know, a lot of Jewish music in both of our families, Zimra. Our second son is Netzach Yisrael Shalom. That's uh, a mouthful right there. So he's our uh, he's our Netzach. And our youngest baby is Keter Tzvi.
0: That was the most interesting, Keter Tzvi. The most
1: interesting? All right.
0: I've never heard the name Keter before.
1: But you've heard Zimra. Yeah. Really? I mean,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: also, many others. My
0: yeah. dad's name was Yom Tov Zev, so okay. all these, and he hated the name Yom Tov. Like I always say, he would die again if we named our kid Yom Tov. So <laughs> we've always gotten like Z names and whatever. So yeah, I know yeah. the name Zimra, but I don't know the name Ketter.
1: right? Um, we like to say we made it up, but there are other people with the name.
0: Wait. So when you guys met, um. You, did you know when you were in 10th grade, Abigail, that you were going to marry this guy?
1: Oh, God. <laughs> you would have we, never have married me. We
2: were best friends. We were very, very, very close. And both either dating or interested in other people. night nice. uh,
1: It's interesting how Hashem worked it out that way. That, like, we probably would have tried and failed back then. And, uh, like, Hashem made sure that that wasn't going to happen.
0: I'm actually, like, super curious and, um, you know, did you guys I, I want to ask both of you guys separately of like, what were your expectations of your life growing up and how did it change over the years? Like, would you have expected yourselves to end up in Toccoa married to each other? As you just said, like, there was no <laughs> you guys didn't think about that, like having your three kids. Um, like, what did you actually think your expectations would be and what did they become? Like, how did it change over time?
1: So I'll start. We already talked about my yearbook where I see myself in 10 years. It was pretty much word to for it. even <laughs> said that I was going to be a tour guide. It was pretty much word for word the life I'm living right now, other than the non part. So I would say nobody in my life is surprised where <laughs> I ended up, including myself. What about you?
2: Um. Actually, a few mm. years ago, I went back to my parents' home and I found something that I had wrote. It was just crazy that I would wrote in my year in Israel, kind of just mm. looking forward, what's my dream, what do I want to be, which was just a really cool thing to have. It was not prompted. It was something I just did myself. Um, and I had a few pretty big life goals. It was definitely <laughs> get married, live on the issue, be an engineer, um, then I thought either be an engineer or teach math and physics, and that's definitely something I'm contemplating. What do you do now? I'm an engineer. Okay, you're an engineer. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think if you would have asked me in ninth grade, no. I don't think I, I had any plans looking forward, but once I like became an adult, and I think from my year in Israel, this is definitely what I wanted for my wow. life. Where
0: did you go to Israel.
2: Mcdulough um,
0: ah okay, cool. did you go to fresh? Yes, okay, because I assumed that you did not go to my note because I didn't <laughs> know who you were, so <laughs> I went to my note, so I'm like i yeah. I just assumed that, so wow, so you guys are pretty, um, you guys really are like living your dream, um living out the what you guys always wanted it seems like um, but I guess you know now right like arky i know that your life was very crazy growing up but like what has been the hardest thing that you guys or when arky was in the army maybe i don't know that was the hardest thing but what's been like the hardest (laughs) thing that you guys have had to go through together as a couple um or what is one of the hardest things that you've had to go through in your life
1: so we're two days after (laughs) me being finished with the army so this is quite the fresh question um, and obviously what jumps up into my head is the past four months. I went in during the third Hakafa, um, knowing that when I go in and even Avigal was saying to everybody, don't worry, as long as Arki's here, you know, everything's okay. He gets called up if it's really bad. And then the next thing you know, there goes Arki. Um, yeah. It's been crazy, and we've been talking about this a lot. About like how we've gone through crazy challenges. We've been married eleven years. We've gone through everything from medical. from medical issues to you know anything. Obviously, everybody has has their challenges, no, but sure. we've gone through a lot, and we've come out stronger on the other side. But everything that we've gone through, we've gone through together, and this is the first thing that forced us to go through apart. And we weren't so ready for that. That's the truth. We have very interconnected lives and to be disconnected for so mm. long. And, and when I say disconnected, I'm not just talking about not able to talk to each other. I'm not talking about not seeing each other. There's a disconnect when Arky's in war mode and Gile's in home mode and family mode. And it's just different lives. You're living two different lives. Um, and this is...
0: Did you guys ever spend the Sabbath apart um,
2: from like before the war? We did like there were I think one or two times where I flew to America. I got knee surgery. Um, so I flew to I America there with you. No, after all the I flew back follow-up. to like, you know, a six month check. So I got the surgery in America mm-hmm. for thank you, Obamacare. Uh, <laughs> <Shout> <laughs> um, Nothing like a good shout out to Obama. Well, <laughs> it was it worked for me. Um, so I, like, flew back to America once <laughs> or twice. I went. For, I flew to for my nephew's Small things
1: here and there. Small a Shabbat are... here,
2: there, a week here, there. Nothing more than
1: that. And, and with three kids uh, by yourself. Right. There's nothing... You, you can't pe- prepare yourself for this. You can't compare anything to this to four months. You also have to add to the fact that there was no clue when it was going to end. Yeah. Well,
0: but it's still not over.
1: Well, for... For us, that's true. Yeah, it's true. Like, but we're trying very hard to say, okay, that was chapter one, and whatever chapter two brings us, that's fine. But right. we're finishing up chapter one. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, for sure. so for us, chapter one is over, and that's I'm not. That, who knows what chapter two brings? Great. No, um, for sure.
0: I just know yeah. so many people that are like having callback dates, and it's like, I
1: arra- I already know I'm going back in April. So that's why well, I'm very I'm very purposely saying there's chapter one. We did chapter one. Chapter two will bring with that its own challenges and its own perspectives. And we're going to come into it, hopefully, a little bit more prepared for this <laughs> one. Um, but there's no comparing this to anything that we've ever done.
0: Abigail, what was the hardest? I mean, obviously, the, the energy was lacking. And, you know, obviously, Archie wasn't there to bring all the fun. But, like, besides for that, what were, you know, some practical things that you Went through when he was there.
2: Um, There's like the stupid things of you know. It's on. It's not stupid actually. It's it's the weight of everything is on you and you. There's no one else to rely on. So it's did I remember to lock all the doors? Did I prepare all the kids properly at night? Did I prepare all the kids? I. It was. um, I'm a very active person. Um, Right before the war started, the Friday before Yom Kippur, I did a triathlon,
1: Um, and.
2: Basically, she's
1: boss. I don't know if you're totally getting this. You said, is she as crazy as I am? <laughs> she's got her own craziness. This is boss lady over here. Okay. Three little kids on a triathlon. Who does that?
0: Either way. <laughs> Can we just say how happy I am that Abigail's on? Because I feel like Arky, like people know who you are, but like Abigail really is such a supportive wife. And I'm so in awe of you, Abigail.
1: The, the behind the curtains, the, the behind
2: businesses. the curtains. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely, you know, like I stopped doing a lot of, ec- I, I still exercise because it's important for my mental health, but like I had to be very aware of not pushing myself too hard because if I was tired and the kids needed me in the middle of <laughs> the night, which they do every other night because we have five, three, and one, um, I I couldn't put myself in a position that would compromise me. And so it was more of just, not having anyone else to rely on and always having to be a hundred percent responsible for everything. Right. So I think that was kind of the weight of that, and it's also the truth is my mom likes to say this that I'm f- I you know I handle life I'm sababa so but when I'm around Arky there's like a smile and a light that wasn't there before.
0: That's so nice. I love that.
1: No, yeah. So <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> Um. Okay. So I'm gonna ask one more question, and then we're gonna get to the like yeah. wrapping up section. Um. But I'm curious, what made you guys decide to move to Tacoma, and how did you guys end up in Tacoma?
1: So we were living in Haifa actually for five years. I I Engineering. Studying. Yep. Exactly. Test exactly. me I'm holding. And then here you go. And <laughs> then we were looking for where to live. I went to O'Neill, A lot of my friends from O'Neill said, "Arky, you'd love Tacoma." A bunch of people just around. You'd love Tekoa, you'd love Tekoa. And it has those same vibes. Remember, I grew up yeshivish, went to a school with non-religious people.
0: Went to school with not jewish people.
1: That too, that too. So I come with like a background where I don't want to just live with one type of person. You know what I mean? So Tekoa is a mixed Yeshuv. It's specifically, they try and keep it half-half religious and secular. The school is mixed, religious and secular. So for us, that's something that we believed in as well as the spiritual side. There's an awesome karl and there's great singing.
2: Not just that. It's a deeper spiritual side also.
1: That's true, it's true. not
2: just singing. It's, you know, a deeper connection to spirituality and not just...
1: Meaning a life of... Me- living a life of meaning. Nobody Where cares. Where is Tekoa?
0: How far past, like, a fraud is it?
1: Okay, so if you're coming from Yushalayim, right, and you're going down Deir Chevron towards Kevrachel, towards the yeah. and you make a left, by har homa
0: okay you drive
1: about 15 minutes into the desert there'll be this weird cone-shaped mountain called herodian which is a two thousand year old fortress we're right at the bottom of that
0: oh i did not realize that you go there by herodian i want to go there one time that's like a goal well
1: we have a tour guide for you you know a tour guide
0: um we'll definitely have to talk about that i Yeah. Wait, so what are you doing from now until like April?
1: I'm opening myself up to touring again. Um, A lot of tourists are here and they want to see what happened. They want to experience. They want to hear from somebody who was there. Our unit took part in Kfar Aza in evacuating some of the most terrible scenes. So people want to hear from me. Like, what did you experience? What did you see? And honestly, it is in a way healing for me to be able to share that with people. So, February and March in general are more calmer months for touring. So, I'll work. I'll be at home. Hopefully, this girl will go on a little vacation. Maybe get some time. You well, deserve deserved. it. Um, yeah. Getting wow. back to life. Family vacations. Maybe spending some time with the kids.
0: And then, also, I'm sorry to go back to this, but what do you, okay. you do in the Army?
1: So, So, our job is when a soldier gets killed, or in this case, civilians or hostages. So if you know, like, what Zaka is, they take care of bodies and make sure that they come back, go, go for a Jewish burial in mm. Israel. But Zaka is not going into a battlefield because they're not trained combat soldiers. So there's a unit in the Israeli army for trained combat soldiers. We're all combat soldiers. We all know how to fight. We all know how to shoot. We're all in good shape. Most of us are in good shape. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, Nothing wrong with you. And um, so if God forbid something happens inside Gaza during a battle, our job is to get there as fast as we can to make sure we bring back all of the fallen soldier that we can possibly bring back. Even if it means that there's bullets flying and there's explosions everywhere, we're bringing it back. During this war, we also dealt with bodies of hostages that were killed to try and bring them back to Israel And our job is just to bring them from the battlefield into Israel. We don't really deal with identification, who they are. We deal with making sure they are all of them and all of, if God forbid, they're separated, um, all the pieces come back.
0: Wow. So I'm sure you've seen a lot of death over the past few months.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I could say I'm already used to it. And if I can just connect something we talked about earlier, is that both my grandmother in small town Binghamton was in the Hevra Kadisha, which was a volunteer job, and my grandfather in the Holocaust in Auschwitz was forced to be part of the Zonder Commando, which was taking care of the bodies of the Jews that the Nazis were were killing. So in a way, it's kind of crazy that after World War Two and after having grandparents that both dealt with Kavod ha'meit, I was placed in this unit. I did not mm-hmm. choose this unit. Um, but you but also,
0: I, you've been in this unit the whole time since you started Miloim. Correct. But Before that you were in Hanim, which is paratroopers.
1: Correct, correct. So okay. they take religious soldiers who are in either Hezder Yeshiva or Netzach, which is a, a raity type of enlistment, those soldiers could either do regular me the meme or they get called to these very specific special units.
0: Very nice. Wow. Yeah. It seems like a lot of hard work. Um, so, okay, now we're going to get to the wrapping up section. But I just, yeah. you know, you guys obviously have been through a lot over the past um, few months. And I want to ask both of you, like individually, um, do you have a pussuck or a quote? Maybe it's the same Pusik as each other. Maybe it's the same quote as each other. I don't know. Do you guys have a Pusik or a quote uh, separately or together that really like gets you through the tough times that makes you, that motivates you, that inspires you um, on the darkest of days?
1: Let's see. Here's it. We're going to play a little game. I'm going <laughs> to say three, two, one. We're both going to say it and no, see if we come no. up with the same one. No. Yes, no have not on the same one. I we're know you're one, one but it's not. Never one. mind. Well,
0: wait, but wait, I want her to say yours and you to say hers. Oh, I don't think you hell know
1: it. I don't know. It's. I don't think we're thinking the same thing because it's not a puzzle.
2: Okay, fine.
1: You go first. So ours has always been through every single difficulty better together. We're just better together. We're better handling everything together. It's so easy to push the other person away when you're having struggles and just dealing with it yourself, but it's always better together.
0: That's so emotional though because like you guys weren't together.
2: So that like –
1: we were talking about this, that this was mm-hmm. the most challenging thing because we weren't.
2: Wow. And Guy, what about you? Um, okay, so the truth is, I don't think I've told you this actually. No, go ahead. Um, one of the songs that like, whatever, you know, Spotify playlists <laughs> that have come up is like an old official Shaco Chazak song. And it's, I know everything will be okay. Um, and I think that there were definitely times when I have in the car, saying it to my heart out, also crying, also laughing at the same moments. Um, as a kid, I used to have a ring that said "Gamze Yavor, and I think this same is idea. it's the same idea, but in a more positive way of like, I know it's going to work out. I know everything's going to be okay no matter what. Wow. I think that's... Wow, that's incredible.
0: Um, okay, and lastly, um, is there a message that you want to give... To the listeners, any specific message that we haven't spoken about, anything that you want to like highlight, um, either of you. Um,
1: hmm, that's a good one. I think that my message and has always been throughout the war, and this is what kind of like blew up this whole the whole Instagram nuttiness that's been happening over the last four months, which I'm still not used to, by the way. Um, has always just been about what you can give. And you have to figure out who you are as a person, figure that out on a deep level. And from there, you can figure out what you can give to the nation, to your family, to yourself, to the people, to Israel. And once you figure out who you are, what makes you special and, you know, what, you're, what makes you who you are, then you can start figuring out what you can give to the Jewish people.
0: Beautiful.
2: Beautiful. Anything from you, Abigail? Um, I think the thing that's coming up for me is don't compare hardships. Ooh, that's cool. It started out for us, I think, in Corona, where, like, that really op- – my eyes were open to it, and also here. Um, you know, there was, like, jokes of, like, who's in the worst position? You know, the, the woman who just gave birth, the woman who's nine months pregnant, how many kids? kids. Your husband kids. comes home, your husband doesn't come home, all these, like, games – um, And the truth is, is that don't compare yourself because my hardships might be really hard for you, and they might actually be something that I can handle. And the things that you, for me, are like, dude, really, that's your, that's your troubles. And for you, that's really a big deal. And for me, that's like no big deal. And everyone has their own stuff, and don't compare hardships. Just because it's hard for me doesn't make it not hard for you. We're going through different things. We have our different backgrounds, which make the, even the exact same thing we're going through either easier or harder for different people. Um, people would say to me, no, I feel like I can't complain to you because your husband's in the army. And I said, you mm-hmm. can have stuff going on. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so don't compare hardships. Your stuff is your stuff. Their stuff is their stuff. and That's It important. doesn't matter. Like for sure.
0: That. Wow. Wow. Incredible. So is there a place that you guys could be reached out to, um, especially, I guess, with your business? I guess Instagram, It like Instagram, email.
1: Yeah, uh, I have an Instagram as well with Tharky. My email, yeah, Instagram is best. And if you're looking for tours,
2: amazing. You're a very good
1: guide. All right, you're biased. Well,
0: you're a very good guide because I feel like you're just very fun.
1: That's not, not fun on my tours. There's no, <laughs> you're not getting a degree in history, but you will have fun.
0: I have to say that um, one of the things I love about your Instagram is that you said that you go on trips with each of your kids, like small trips, and like it was just so moving, um, and I really appreciated seeing that. Yeah. So I'm going to let you guys go, pick up your kids and stuff, and have an incredible rest of your day. But um,
1: it's been a fun-
0: Abigail, it was so nice yes. to meet you. Um, I'm so happy that you came on. Um and Arki, thank you so much for sharing who you are, besides for just, you know, being a Hayal and your missions that you've been sharing every week. Um so like the yeah, not yeah, the yeah, army yeah. Mission, I know it's like the... <laughs> um and um yeah, I feel like I wanna come spend Shabbos in Tokoa now. Well, I uh, I always
1: will. we have a spare bedroom. Come
0: Maybe we'll have to go to Herodian and then we'll come to Tacoa for
1: Shabbos.
0: (laughs) Awesome. We'll be in touch. All the best. And uh, thank you so much. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Anything But Traditional. Arky Stamen is a unique soul. He's an awesome guy. Lives in Tacoa from Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, I really enjoyed getting to know him, but I also really enjoyed getting to know his wife. Um, they are an incredible couple, as you heard. Better together is their motto. And it's just remarkable when you see a couple that's so strong and also know what the war did to them and, and how it really has affected them. Um, it's hard. It's not easy. Um, but they are definitely better together and they're strong and um, they're an incredible couple. There's a lot that we spoke about in terms of Israel, a lot that we spoke about in terms of Arky's upbringing, um, a lot of academic challenges when he was a kid, and I think that there's a lot of parenting lessons to learn in this episode, a lot of life lessons to learn. It's not just about Israel, um, but life lessons in general. So as always, you know where to find me, you know how they communicate, go over to Tales of Tomorrow on Instagram. Share in the question box, and uh, I'd love to talk more about it with you. If you want to sponsor an ad or if you want to dedicate um, an episode for birthday, yard site, an anniversary, any of the above, just, you know, reach out. You know where to find me. Um, And thank you, Arky and Abigail, Stephen, for coming on. It was an incredible episode, and um, until next time, all the best.